Hey, before we get into the message this morning, a couple things. Um, just to give you uh, sort of a quick rundown of sort of the holiday schedule, if you will, for the month of December. We only have two more Wednesday nights in the year, the 7th and the 14th coming up. And we're going to be uh, in the book of 2 Timothy. And, and I will say that uh, we're getting a pretty good turnout for this time of year because usually... You know, it wanes until the first of the year, then it picks back up. But we've been having pretty good attendance on Wednesday night, so that's been encouraging. So two more Wednesdays, the 7th and the 14th. And then uh, just a reminder that we will have our annual Christmas Eve service on the 24th, which is Saturday night. And we're hoping that we'll get another big turnout for our candlelight service that night. Plenty of Christmas music. Uh, a message from the Word of God concerning the Christmas story. Uh, but we will not have service the next day on Christmas Day. We will have services, though, on Sunday, January the 1st, on New Year's Day. So we're hoping everyone will come on Christmas Eve uh, that week and uh, bring everybody out. We always make sure that we have just from 7 to 8 o'clock so that I know many families, like our family, we normally have plans on Christmas Eve too, but it gives you a chance to still be able to do what you want to do on Christmas Eve, but be able to come and uh, focus on the the birth of of the Lord, which is really what Christmas is all about. So again, the 7th and the 14th is our two Wednesday nights left, and then we'll pick it back up on January the 4th taking a couple weeks off on Wednesday, the 21st and the 28th of December, uh, around the Christmas holiday. And there will be Christmas Eve service on the 24th, no services on the 25th, and then we will have service on New Year's uh, Day. And I believe that that information is out there on our website. If not, we will make sure that that gets out there uh, as quickly as possible for people that are looking for that, as well as I know it's in our e-newsletter and in our, our bulletin. Uh, so I just wanted to let you know about that. Ephesians chapter 5. We only have two more messages in the book of Ephesians. We'll finish up next week talking about the reality of spiritual warfare. Uh, but today, we're going to be talking again about relationships. And uh, we're just going to cover a pretty big passage for us. Um, It's uh, chapter 5, verse 22, down through chapter 6, verse 9. But it really is all about the same stuff, if you will. Even though in this passage, uh, Paul is addressing wives and husbands and children and parents... And then in verse 5 and 9 of chapter 6, he addresses slaves and masters. Let me say this, that though many times when we hear the word slave in, from the Bible, we automatically go back as Americans to that terrible time in our history of slavery and the Civil War and all that. That is not the best parallel to the way it's used in the Bible. Most of the time, though there were abuses of human beings and there was terrible slavery in those days, much of what was addressed as slaves and masters in the Bible would more parallel our modern day employee-employer relationship. So I want you to apply it in that context to you today, because that's more of what speaks to us about. Now, in all of this, 
I want to start out with this. I grew up with a saying that I think comes into play here as we approach this passage of scripture this morning. It was the saying that sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. Uh, And that is, I think, certainly true as we would come to look at this passage today. Sometimes from chapter 5, verse 22, down through chapter 6, verse 9, we can get caught up so much in the minutia and details of these verses that we forget to take a step back and really see what it's all about. And what, what are the main things that the Lord is trying to teach us here in this passage of Scripture? All dealing with relationships. And let me again say, too, as we're going to see this morning, that this, again, is another great example, this passage, of how we need to study the Bible in its context. Instead of pulling verses out of their context and looking at them alone without looking at the verses immediately before and immediately after, because it all ties together. There is a continuity in the Bible, and we should never read or study the Bible outside of its context. So, first of all, let's look at the context of these verses that talk about relationships. Talking about husbands and wives and their relationships with each other, and parent and children and their relationships with each other. So, in other words, he's talking a lot here about the home. And he's already talked to us in the book of Ephesians about the church and the kind of relationships that we as brothers and sisters in Christ are to have with each other. So again, he's, he's giving us the emphasis of God on relationships. Relationships should be a priority in our life. Learning how to do relationships in a healthy way should be a priority in our life. And then he talks to us, I think, about the workplace. A place also where we're going to spend a lot of time, whether we are an employer And we have people working for us or whether we're an employee and we work for others. And you can even take it down to the context of applying this to even school if you want to. And look at it as a teacher-student relationship where many of you also spend your time. In all of this, the context that this sits in is so important. And I want to point that out to begin with this morning. So first of all, you'll notice that we're going to start start from the end in the passage we're going to look at in detail next week, that in chapter 6, verse 10, he goes right into then talking about spiritual warfare and the reality of it. He says in chapter 6, verse 10, finally, be strengthened in the Lord and the strength of his power. Clothe yourselves in the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Why is that important? Because you and I all need to be aware of this. That whatever relationships we're talking about, and to God, relationships are important. The most important thing. Because out of everything you and I touch on this earth before we get to eternity, relationships are the only thing that lasts. Everything else we have to leave behind. So to God, relationships are very important. Whether they be in our churches, in our homes, in our workplace, in our school, in our community, wherever it is, they are important and should be to us. But we also have to remember this, that we have a spiritual enemy out here. And this spiritual enemy is always trying to disrupt 
our relationships and bring division to our relationships in our life. He's going to try to do that in our church, which is why we here at the Oasis always have to be on our toes spiritually because there's nothing that the devil and his minions would like to do more than come into a church like the Oasis and blow it up from the inside out by causing strife and division from within. And he will try to do the same thing in our marriages, in our relationships with our children and parents, in our, in our home life. If he can cause disruption in the home, he has won some battles, you see. And if he can go into the workplace and make our workplace instead of something that we think of as being a, a productive place and, and a place where we find fulfillment and all that. If he can blow up our workplace because we're constantly, you know, in turmoil with, with the people that we work with or the people we work for or who work, then again, he has done exactly what his focus is. Because the devil, the word diabolos, in the Greek language, is one who seeks to divide. And he's been doing that ever since he fell as Lucifer, as the angel. He has always sought to divide men from God and to divide men from one another. Whether it's in our churches, our homes, our schools, our communities, our workplace, wherever it is. And so in this context, what Paul is saying to the Ephesians and to us is we've got to be aware of that. We have always got to be aware that the enemy is going to work to do that. Now, that doesn't mean that you and I are absolved of our responsibility as if, you know, the old thing, well, the devil made me do it. And so, uh, no. No, we're responsible for our behavior and our actions. But we have to be aware that maybe that's part of what's playing here. Is that our spiritual enemy is trying to disrupt and cause strife and division in all these areas where we should be having unity and building relationships and seeing, you know, uh, benefit and profit and productivity and all these things. And we also, if we're on the other end of that, have to be aware that, again, though we don't leave somebody off the hook because of their behavior, that we do have to take a step back at times and go, I wonder if this is part of the spiritual enemy's strategy, the schemes of the devil. So again, this is so important. That's why we study the Bible in its context, because you can't take what Paul says to husbands and wives, to parents and children, and basically to employees and employers, and not realize that the very next thing he goes into is, oh, and by the way, the devil is always active in trying to disrupt all these things. Then, if you go back to last week's message and passage... We saw there in verse 18 that we are commanded by God as followers of Jesus Christ to also be filled by the Spirit. And we talked about what that meant. It means to be controlled by, to be influenced. Because he uses the parallel of don't be drunk with wine. Don't, as a follower of Jesus Christ, let wine or any alcoholic beverage, you know, uh, influence your behavior 
as much as you allow the Holy Spirit to influence your behavior. Always be under the influence and power and enablement of the Holy Spirit. Well, again, as soon as he talks about being filled with the Spirit, then what does he go into? Our relationships with our spouses, our relationships with our children or our parents, our relationships at work and at school and all these things. Why? Because if we're going to have good, healthy, God-honoring relationships in our life, we must continually, as God's people, be filled by the Spirit. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Our relationships will be a cause of pain to us rather than a cause of of joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. We have to always be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's why you can have Christian marriages that blow up. Because just because they're Christian doesn't mean it's going to work. They've got to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Just because you have parents and children that are both Christian doesn't mean that's automatically going to work. Because both parties, especially children, once they get to the age where they accept Christ and can be filled by the Spirit, they've all got to be filled by the Spirit or else, again, parent-child relationship won't work. And the same thing is true in the workplace, you see. Just because one has the Lord in our life doesn't mean that we can just go on automatic pilot and somehow our relationships just all land the way we want them to. No. Again, we've got to work at relationships always. We've got to set a priority on our relationships and value them. Because one of the other things that the devil will do that I failed to mention earlier is that the devil not only will seek to divide, the devil will even seek to discourage us from having relationships. I mean, you think about it, because he's one there too, because to God, relationships should be what our life here is all about. And yet, what is the devil done today, even amongst Christians, God's people? We don't have time for relationships with each other. We don't have time for relationships with each other. We get so busy in our lives that we don't even know how to relate to each other anymore and spend the time that we should and need to with one another in order to have fulfilling and satisfied and rewarding relationships. That's part of his strategy as well, you see. So we've got to be aware of the context. I can, I can never forget That in all my relationships in my life, the devil will seek to discourage me from having them. Because remember, the whole idea with the devil was, he wanted to be independent. I don't want to be under God's authority anymore. I want to do things my way. And so ever since then, not only sought to divide relationships, he has sought to, instead of us being dependent and relying on God and dependent and relying on each other, he has sought for us to be that island out there that just sits separated off by itself because that's the way he is. He doesn't want anybody. He doesn't need anybody. He wants to be his own entity. And so that's what he does. If there are relationships, he seeks to come between them and he will also seek not to even get them started in the first place. And then the filling of the spirit that in order for us to do all of these relationships the way we should, we have 
all continually got to be led, controlled, influenced by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Because in our own power and strength, we can't do those relationships. And we can't sustain it over the long haul and make it work, you see, without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So let me say this at this point, too. Though we're not going to get into a lot of the details because I personally think they're pretty self-explanatory. This is another reason why the Bible tells young people or people who are getting married, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Because when you do that, you come into that relationship with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you have the ability to be filled with the Spirit influence, but your spouse doesn't. So how can you expect that relationship to really work the way God intended if only one of you in that marriage or that relationship has the power of the Holy Spirit to be influenced by, but the other one doesn't? See, all of that comes into play here in Ephesians chapter 5. But there's another thing that we did not focus on last week intentionally that I wanted to bring this morning. And that is, I'm going to begin in verse 18, but the principle is in verse 21 of chapter 5. Do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, which we did last week and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Always giving thanks to God the Father for each other, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and here it is, and submitting to one another out of reverence or respect for Christ. Now, many people don't even understand what the word submit means. It basically means to live by God's design or to live under God's arrangement. And then he goes on to say, because you respect or reverence who God is. So what Paul's saying to all of us is this. Let's back it up a little bit. Let's, again, see the forest instead of being blocked by the trees. If I want to do relationships, I have to understand, well, it was God who created all these in the first place, right? I didn't come up with the idea, nor did any other human being, about relationships and the home and marriage and husband and wife and parent-child and and workplace. That was all God. Those are his institutions. He made them up. He's the ultimate designer. So, if I believe in a God who is all-wise, he's got way more understanding of things than any of us even collectively do. And he's the one that designed it all to begin with. Then why would I not want to live by his design? Doesn't he know how it works better than I do? Because he made it. I mean, when you think even through this logically, how ludicrous it is for us as human beings sometimes to act the way we do, even followers of Christ. Because somehow we think I can do my home and I can do marriage and I can do the whole parent-child thing and and I can do my workplace relationships and, and my school relationships or whatever. I can do all that, but I don't really need to continually consult God and what he has to say about it. I can figure this out on my own. 
And then we wonder why we have such problems. That would be like you sitting down and spending, not that God did this, but to try to get to, it would be like you or I sitting down and literally creating something, making something from the ground up to where we knew every, every little, uh, you know, thing that we put into that thing that we made, every little device, every little mechanism, we, we knew it from the inside out because we actually made it. Okay? I mean, and then have somebody just come in from outside and try to tell us how the thing works. We'd probably look at him and go, really? I spent months making this. I know every part that I put in it. I, I, I did all this and now you're just coming along and you're going to tell me how it works? And again, we, we think that's ridiculous, but yet how many even Christians go, God, I, I can do the whole marriage thing, but I don't really need to immerse myself in all that you teach me about how to do it. I can do the parent-child thing, but I don't need to really understand what the Bible teaches about parenting and all that. I don't, I don't need to know all those principles. I can figure this out on my own. And it amazes me even how many Christians you hear say, well, you know, the whole marriage thing or the home thing or the parent you just sort of have to wing it. You just sort of have to learn on your own. No, you don't. It was designed by God and God gave us all the instructions that we need to do it well. Our problem is we don't get into this book and really figure out what God said how to do it. That's what it means to submit. It means to live under the arrangement that God made. To live by the design that God gave it for. God gave us specific instructions. Wives, husbands, parents, children, employees. He laid it out for us. Not only here, but in the Old Testament. I mean, the book of Proverbs is filled with principles about being a good manager or being a good employee and being a good parent and how to discipline your kids and train your kids and, and, and you know, husbands and wives. And that's just one book. And somehow, again, we're like, no, nah, God, I... And that's why he says, do you really respect and reverence God when we try to do our relationships without really learning how God said to do them in the first place? That's what it means to submit to one another. Literally to live under God's arrangement. That's why in Paul's day, a lot of times this word was used in military in the military. And all of you that are, have been in or are now in the military, you get it. That when you go in, there's a certain order and rank. And it's not that, you know, the private is any less of a person or less value than the sergeant or whoever outranks them. But in that army, if that army or whatever that is, if it's going to function effectively, everybody has to know their place and everybody has to be able to accept that order and to work together rather than working against each other or else it doesn't work. And that's why even God said the principle is submit to one another. In the church, find your place. In the home, find your place. 
in the workplace. Find your place and do it out of respect and reverence for how God designed it to be done. Because here's the deal. God says, if you will just follow my design, if you respect me enough to trust that I know what I'm talking about, then all these things that you're struggling in will actually start turning and they'll start being rewarding and fulfilling and satisfying if you just do it my way. If you just do it my way. Living by my design. Living under God's arrangement. A couple other things this morning. If you begin in verse 22 of chapter 5, you will also notice a recurring phrase throughout this passage from 5.22 all the way through 6.9, which ties it all together. Now, it's not always exactly the same wording, but it's the same principle. First of all, verse 22, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Remember those four words. Then when you go down to verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ. Then if you go down to verse 29, for no one ever hated his own body, but feeds it and takes care of it just as Christ. Then if you go up to chapter six, verse one, children obey your parents in the Lord. Then verse four, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves here, I would again, more apply it to employees. Obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Verse six, as slaves or servants of Christ. Verse seven, as though serving the Lord. And finally, in chapter six, verse nine, masters treat your slaves the same way. In other words, just as all the ways I've told you, all of it is basically saying the same thing. And it's saying two things, really. One is this. In all of these relationships, husband, wife, parent, child, employee, employer, teacher, student, however, again, you want to apply the principle. The one thing Paul is saying here in this recurring phrase and verse is, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be following the example of the Lord. In other words, none of us can say, wives, you can't say, well, God... You never humbled yourself and submitted to anything. Really? Because I think he, as the son of God, left heaven and assumed humanity and lived under the instruction of his earthly parents and even submitted to fulfill the Jewish law and all of this stuff. So what the Bible is saying here, and then husbands, just as Christ Love you. In other words, he should always be our example, modern model, pattern, you name it. If we're going to do this effectively, then we need to know how Jesus did it. You see, because it's as the Lord or just as this or in the Lord. 
He's always referring back to that. He's always saying, use Jesus as your example. That's why, again, Christians can't say, well, I grew up in a home where I didn't have a model of a good mom or dad, or I didn't know how to do that. Fine. Guess what? Now you do in Jesus Christ. And now you do in the local church. Because one of the other reasons why God calls us to come together as God's people in the local church is maybe you didn't have the best example of a marriage as you were growing up. Maybe you didn't have the best example of of a parent-child relationship growing up. But you can find those good examples in the church if you're part of the church. And you can even be that example to others as well. You see, that's again one of the reasons why God calls us to do life together. Because God doesn't expect everyone grew up in a model. Again, never a perfect home. There are no perfect homes. But in a home where at least you can get some kind of idea how to do this. Well, guess what? God would say to us, no matter what kind of environment we grew up in, Now you have my spirit, now you have my word, my design book, and now you have one another in the church. There is no excuse for you throwing up your hands as a Christian parent, as a Christian child, as a Christian mom or dad, as a Christian employer, employer, and say, I don't know how to do this. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. We all do. If we will allow the spirit to fill us, if we will allow the word of God to saturate our minds and truly dig into how to do this. And if we're willing to be part of the church where we need some flesh and blood examples or to be those to others, we have it before us. It's just a matter of we're not taking advantage of the resources God has given us because God tells his people in many books, but I'll especially quote first Peter here. I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. First Peter chapter one, verse three, so that we can never say, God, I, I, you, you gave me this responsibility, but you didn't give me any help. Yeah, I did. He said, yeah, I did. So that's one of the things that this phrase means. But the other thing that this phrase means that's repeated throughout is this, that in my relationships with other people, The way I treat them is the way I'm treating Jesus Christ. That's why it says, as to the Lord, unto the Lord. In other words, wives and husbands, the way you treat each other is the way you're treating Jesus Christ. Parents, child religion, the way you are talking to each other and treating each other is the way you're treating Jesus Christ. Employers, the way you treat your employees, that's the way you're treating Jesus Christ. Employee, the way you're working for your employer and the kind of work you're putting out and all of that, that's how you're treating Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, and we looked at this passage on Wednesday night, It's the passage where Jesus lays out what's going to happen at the judgment. And he said, there's going to be people who are part of my kingdom. And I'm going to reward them for doing things to me. And they're like, well, Jesus, 
we, we never did that to you. We never visited you in prison or we never clothed you or we never fed you or we never did these things to you. And the principle that Jesus lays down is this. If you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to who? To me. See, Jesus identifies with his people. That's again why I said this on Wednesday night. When Saul saw that great light from heaven on the road to Damascus and met Jesus Christ, and Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I think Saul's probably first, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm just persecuting Christians. <laughs> and Jesus is like, well, yeah, because everything you're doing to them, you're doing to me. That's what this means. Now, boy, won't that change the way we do relationships if every time we did something or said something to another human being, we reminded ourselves, this is the way I would treat Jesus? If, if, that's, if that, that's the way I'm going to talk to Jesus, that's the way I'm going to treat him? Powerful stuff on relationships. But let me end with this. In verse 8, though it's in the immediate context of talking about employee and employer, the principle covers the entire passage of Scripture. When it says in verse 8, Because you know that each person, whether slave or free, if he does something good, this will be rewarded by the Lord. In other words, doing things by God's design... Living under God's arrangement brings reward. If we would just trust that the one who designed it all knows more about how to do it than we do, if we will just follow God and how to do relationships, follow His instructions, let His Spirit fill us, and recognize that we have a spiritual enemy always over here seeking to disrupt all of this, if we keep all of that in mind then our relationships will actually bring us more reward than they will pain. If we do it God's way. But the way we've got to come to that conclusion is realizing again that unlike Lucifer or Satan, I can't do this independently. I can't do it independently of God. I need God to do relationships effectively. I need his word, I need his spirit, I need his wisdom, I need God, and I also need my brothers and sisters in Christ. God gave me them for a reason. They need to be my example, I need to be their example, but we need each other. And when we live dependently, relying on the Lord primarily, and then on each other, And the resources that God gives us, we will be rewarded in our lives by seeing relationships done God's way rather than our way. Father God, we thank you today for these great reminders. And I pray, God, that each of us would pledge to do relationships by your design, out of reverence and respect for who you are, God. 
If we believe that you are the designer, the architect, the originator, the source, the one that brought all this about and put it into place, then who are we to question how you teach us and instruct us to do it? You know better than all of us put together. So God, may we humble ourselves under your leadership and authority in our lives and start doing life and especially our relationships in our life the way you designed it to be, not the way we design it. God, we thank you that you didn't create us and create all of these wonderful institutions and then throw us out there and not give us a way to do it effectively. That you have clearly told us in your word, I have given you what you need to do these things well. Not perfectly, but I've given you what you need to do these things well. Let's be filled by the Spirit. Let's be filled with God's word. Let's be aware of our spiritual enemy and his strategy in our life. And let's rise up as the people of God and be an example of how to do relationships God's way. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our last song this morning?